All right, welcome to Free Association. Let me turn that down and switch the monitoring off for a second. There we go. That's better. Welcome to Free Association. My name's Dennis. And it's been a bank holiday weekend. What often happens with me in bank holiday weekends is I just take some time off, which is basically what I did on Sunday and Monday. Now I'm back and I've had a, a couple of days of no conspiracy theories at all. And now I'm back and I'm straight back into uh, nanotechnology zombie apocalypse conspiracy. So I'm, I'm working my way through some old Mike Adams material from round about Christmas 2021 uh, involving Charles Lieber, who was a scientist at Harvard who was convicted of, of passing technology secrets to the Chinese. So I'm back to that. There's a lot of material, it turns out, on Charles Lieber now online. Uh, there wasn't at the time. I've, I've been keeping an eye on it a little bit, but now's the time to go back and put it all together. Some of this is it's early, so some of it's speculation. It's worth looking at, though. And I don't really trust Mike Adams as a source, but but he's good on some things and not good on other things, in my view. Uh, and he tends to, to stretch the truth to sell nutraceuticals to keep his business going. But if you allow for the fact that he's evangelical Christian and that he's flogging nutrition, take that out of the picture. There's some good material in here, in his analysis, there's some speculation in there, but it's all worth looking at. I'm not going to discount anything because it's coming from a an environmental Christian source because I can take that belief system out and look at the look at the patent material that's in there, look at the things that are verifiable that aren't being covered from other places. So anyway, that's, that's what I want to take a look at. I'm going to post a, a little bit more Charles Lieber material. I've been downloading stuff. Once I've watched it, then I'll I'll post it. I'm, I don't have time to edit anything, so it's just it's the full show, and uh, make of it what you will. It's the mad scientist theory, uh, and here it is. Welcome to the Situation Update for Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. This is Mike Adams here, the Health Ranger. We've got a breaking bombshell story for you today, and it's presented in two parts. So this will be a, well, two separate podcasts. The first one here, maybe 30 to 45 minutes, and then there'll be a, a second one of, of a similar time. The story today is about Charles Lieber, the scientist, who was just found guilty yesterday after being prosecuted by the Department of Justice. If you've not heard the name Charles Lieber, uh, get prepared to go deep down the rabbit hole because that's where we are going today. Charles Lieber was paid by Communist China, was involved in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. A lot of crazy stuff, research into nanowires and carbon nanotubes that many people believe are part of what's being put into vaccines. So that story 
is what's coming up here today on the Situation Update podcast in two parts. So here we go. All right, prepare to be blown away. We're going to go deep down the rabbit hole today. So, okay, yesterday, yesterday, on the winter solstice, no less, Harvard professor Charles M. Lieber was found guilty of lying to government authorities about his ties to China. And this is in a federal court. It's being called the stunning downfall from one of the country's top chemists. Hmm. Wait till you learn about Charles Lieber. Now I'm reading from right now the Harvard Crimson. And that's thecrimson.com. Now what's interesting is that Charles Lieber was a professor at Harvard. Charles Lieber was taking money from the Chinese Communist Party. He was paid over $1.5 million, plus $50,000 a month, to help set up a lab with the Wuhan Institute of Virology in order to build biological weapons. <laughs> and he, he hid the money and lied to U.S. government investigators, and he got prosecuted. Arrested by the DOJ, I believe, last year, and he was arrested along with two other researchers from China. One was a woman who turned out to be a lieutenant with the People's Liberation Army. So the People's Liberation Army has infiltrated Harvard. Now, this story that we're about to get into involves not just Harvard, but MIT, a technology about MIT. It involves the SARS coronavirus. It involves the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the CCP, People's Liberation Army, but also it's tied into 5G, external electromagnetic radiation and energy broadcast systems that impact nanowires that are embedded into human biology using a patented carbon nanotube release system that was developed by who? Charles M. Lieber. And we've only scratched the surface. So here we go. A federal jury found Lieber guilty on all six felony charges. Federal prosecutors said that Lieber, age 62, he was trying to win a Nobel Prize. <laughs> uh, that's his cover story. He concealed his ties to China's, quote, Thousand Talents Program, which is the way China pays off scientists and researchers in the United States, you know, university people. By the way, in case you didn't know this, just as a background story, China has kickbacks and bribes to thousands of scientists in the United States working in, you know, national laboratories and uh, universities and in the government and so on. So this is one scientist that got caught. So this is part of the DOJ's China Initiative, which is going after uh, American scientists who have conspired with China and have transferred technology to China. Now, when he was uh, interrogated by Department of Justice officials, Lieber was presented with a contract that he had signed with the, the TTP, the Thousand Talents Program, where he would be paid $50,000 a month for his work with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So what I want to play for you here first is a video that talks about the, the arrest 
And this is U.S. Attorney, what, Andrew Fleming? Who is this? U.S. Attorney with the U.S. Department of Justice. This is from last year. Here's his arrest. Check out this video. We're here today to announce three separate cases highlighting the ongoing threat posed by Chinese economic espionage and research theft in the United States. Federal investigators at the Lexington home of 60-year-old Dr. Charles Lieber today, moments after his arrest at his Harvard office. The complaint alleges that Dr. Lieber signed a contract with the Chinese University in Wuhan and was paid up to $50,000 per month, plus up to $158,000 in living expenses. The chair of Harvard's chemistry department, he also allegedly received more than $1.5 million to set up a research lab in China, all while working at Harvard and receiving multiple research grants from the U.S. Department of Defense and National Institutes of Health. Okay, I'm pausing it right here at 50 seconds. Did you catch that? He also received grants from the Department of Defense and the NIH. Starting to connect the dots, the NIH run by Francis Collins, who has now said he's resigning because it's been exposed about his gain-of-function research with communist China. And under the NIH is the NIAID run by Fauci, who funneled money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology through the EcoHealth Alliance. The EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Dayzak, also involved in funding the bioweapons development. And the the same organization, EcoHealth Alliance, that had a proposal with DARPA under the DOD. The proposal was to release skin-penetrating toxic nanoparticles in wild bat populations in China using a coronavirus that had been genetically engineered to spread efficiently. Remember that? Yeah, it's all coming out. Now, let me play the rest of this video for you. So go ahead and uh, to the editor, go ahead and, and hit play. Also charged today, two Chinese nationals, 29-year-old Yang King Yi, who worked as a scientific researcher at Boston University. Who failed to mention on her visa application that she is also a lieutenant with the People's Liberation Army. Okay, pausing it again here at 104. Uh, did you hear that? So this, this Chinese female who worked at Boston University. So again, this is the total infiltration of America's educational institutions, Harvard and Boston University. And by the way, that's not the end of this list. And as the, the DOJ uh, officer, wh whoever he is, is explaining here in this news clip, oh, and she just happened to fail to mention that she was also a lieutenant in the People's Liberation Army. So this is a military bioweapons operation. And the way this worked is China dispatched all of these people pretending to be university researchers and PhDs and so on, dispatched them into the U.S. academia ecosystem to recruit people like Charles Lieber and to say, hey, we'll pay you millions of dollars. All you have to do is give us your super secret carbon nanotube, nanowire bioinjection technology that we're going to be using at the Wuhan Institute of Virology to make biological weapons. And we'll pay you over one and a half million dollars up front, you know, and moving expenses and living expenses of another almost couple hundred thousand and 50 grand a month. All you gotta do is give us your technology. Hmm. 
30-year-old Zhaozong Zhang worked on cancer research at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. For trying to smuggle vials of biological material out of the United States to China and lying about it to federal investigators. Okay, catch that? Oh, trying to smuggle vials of biological material out of the United States to give it to China for the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Hmm, I wonder what this could be. Now, if you go back to my earlier interview with Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. Judy Mikovits mentioned Charles Lieber. She mentioned that it was, in fact, the DOD in conjunction with the NIH that conspired to hand over to China a, uh, what do you call it, kind of a a cesspool of uh, pathogens as a mixture that they could use to develop a biological weapon. In fact, Dr. Mikovits even told me the the well plate number of that that sample. And I think she said it was E6, but I'd have to go back and double check. So I don't, if you don't if you don't work in a microbiology lab, you may not know, but there are well plates that are 96 wells or little little 96 little tiny small um, indentations in a plate that can hold I don't know, maybe it's 100 microliters or 200 microliters, whatever they hold, some some volume of liquid. Those are called well plates. And uh, you have automatic pipetting systems and you have incubation systems and, you know, microscopy systems to inspect the well plates and see if your, you know, if your little microbes are growing the way you want to. And it turns out they had found the perfect combination in E6. And this was when Dr. Mikovits was work, working, I believe she said the Fort Detrick U.S. Army Bioweapons Research Center. That's not the official name, but that's what they did in uh, Fort Detrick, you know, Maryland. So they took this bioweapon that was developed by the United States military. This was a DOD program. They handed the, the cocktail of microbial goo to China. And by the way, that microbial goo is a combination of bovine exosomes, you know, so-called viruses from, from cows, from monkeys, from humans, from aborted human fetal tissue, all of that. It's this combination. It's not an isolated thing. It's this combination cesspool. And then they combine that with this technology from Charles Lieber, which is this exotic, almost alien nanotech, nanowire, human neurology integration system using carbon nanotubes. We're going to get into that in more detail. All of this got sent over to China with the approval of Fauci and with the help of Dezak and with the help of Collins at the NIH, who was also, in my view, a criminal, a war criminal against humanity. All right. So that's the background for what you're about to see. Let's let's go ahead and play some more of this video. Now, Lieber is due back in court Thursday. He's currently behind bars. He could face up to five years in prison if convicted. And Harvard does tell me he's currently on paid administrative leave. Meantime, Harvard, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and BU are all cooperating with authorities. Reporting live in South Boston, Nicole Burley. All right. Now, you're probably because you're extremely well informed. No, I, I mean, those of you who listen to my podcast, you are extremely well informed. I hear this from everybody that you talk to, by the way, you know, when you call 
our sponsors and have conversations with them about things or when you call our own customer service and so on. You're extremely well informed. So you're already probably aware of the theory that there's something in the vaccines that interfaces with human neurology, something that grows self-assembling nanostructures, something in the vaccines that can then be controlled by outside electromagnetic fields, such as, for example, 5G, which uses directional cones of energy that are aimed at specific targets, i.e. you carrying a 5G cell phone. So the 5G cell phone that you're carrying around is the targeting device. It's tied to you and your credit card and your name and you know your phone number, social and all that. They can beam a 5G, a very powerful 5G uh, radiation cone at you by targeting your phone. And the 5G cell networks that have been installed all over the cities have long been suspected of doing something with vaccines somehow making the vaccines weaponized. But there's been a lot of speculation, and you've heard a lot of talk about what might be in the vaccines. But until now, at least in my mind, it all the dots didn't connect, but now they do. Because, listen to this, if you go through the patents of Charles M. Lieber, and you can do this anywhere online, you can just go to the U.S. Patent Trademark Office, USPTO, or you can go to, I think Google has a patent search engine, wherever you want. Let me read for you some of the patents that Charles Lieber has filed and has been awarded over the years. <laughs> Nanopore sensing by local electrical potential measurement. Okay, that's sensing the environment at the cellular level, by the way, sensing cell membranes. See, uh, Charles Lieber developed technology to use carbon nanotubes to penetrate cells and then to release things inside the cells. All right. Continuing with the patents list. Controlled growth of nanoscale wires. That's another patent. I mean, that, that's patent number 10435817, by the way, if you're curious. U.S. patent number. Here's another patent. Scaffolds comprising nanoelectronic components for cells, tissues, and other applications. This is the borgification patent, you might say. This is the patent talking about turning you into a cyborg. Again, scaffolds, right, like a mesh of nanowires, comprising nanoelectronic components for cells, tissues, and other applications. This is talking about microcircuits, nanoscale circuits that are interfacing with your neurology. All right, he's got another patent. Let's see, an anisotropic deposition in nanoscale wires, nanosensors, related technologies. Let's see. Well, here's another patent. Nanoscale wires, nanoscale wire FET devices, and nanotube electronic hybrid devices for sensing and other applications. Hmm. Nanoscale field effect transistors, that's what FET stands for, for biomolecular sensors and other applications. <laughs> uh, bent nanowires uh, and related probing of species. Let's see, controlled synthesis of monolithically integrated graphene structure. That's another patent. That's patent number 9029. I'm sorry, 9029836. Okay. 
high-resolution molecular sensor, liquid films containing nanostructured materials, nanoscopic wire-based devices and arrays. Okay, this guy's got a patent list that is very long. <laughs> I've got two patents. This guy's got like 50. And they're all, they have everything to do with nanoscale technology. Here's one. Doped elongated semiconductors, growing such semiconductors and devices, including such semiconductors and fabricating such devices, transition metal oxide nanowires, branched nanoscale wires, apparatus method and computer program products providing radial addressing of nanowires. You know why that one's important? Because it, it, that patent talks about how you can control the nanowires once they're embedded into a person's biology. It's, it's radial addressing. So there's a, a signal or an energy source that goes into a central location and it designates which wire to send out which impulse at what frequency and what strength and so on. And it goes out to that wire. Now, this is all, I wouldn't call this mind control technology. That's more of a psychological phenomenon. This is more of brain control. This is a neurological control system, but it's also a cell sensing system and a payload delivery system in the cells. And that's what we're going to get into here next. Now, let's see. Greatgameindia.com did a really good story on this. We're going to go through some of that. And also, by the way, stateofthenation.co has covered this and uh, philosopherstone.info. A few other sites, but this has not been widely covered. We need to cover this in a much more in-depth way because this story, this is too big for one person to dig into it and dig up everything. But check this out. All right. From Great Game India, it is said that Lieber was recruited for advanced research into nanowire batteries. But... An investigation by Great Game India has shown that Lieber was, in fact, working on virus transmitters that could penetrate cell membranes without affecting the intracellular functions, and that these can even measure activities inside heart cells and muscle fibers. All right, and then it goes on. The story says he was arrested by the Department of Defense. We already know that. The story says basically this is a recruitment plan by China which seeks to lure Chinese overseas talent and foreign experts to bring their knowledge back to China, and then they get rewarded for stealing proprietary information. So things don't add up, though, since the focus of Lieber's research has never been about nanowire batteries. So in other words, some of the original news was all a cover story. They said, oh, he was working on battery technology, you know, for electric vehicles. But no, a former student of Lieber says, quote, I've never seen Charlie working on batteries or nanowire batteries. In fact, in all his research papers and patents, there's no mention of batteries or vehicles. Not one mention of batteries. And I just read for you some of the patent titles. What Lieber could do was create nanostructures using nothing but simple and inexpensive chemical techniques. He then went on to show how these nanowires could be used as transistors, complex logic circuits, data storage devices, and even sensors in the human body. In 2001, Harvard Magazine published a report that discussed Lieber's research into what was called at the time liquid computing. The report mentioned how Lieber was at the forefront of 
one of the greatest challenges in microelectronics, making silicon chips smaller and smaller. A decade later, Lieber created transistors so small it could be used to penetrate cell membranes and probe the interior of cells without affecting the intercellular functions. This is called a biocompatible transistor, and it was the size of a virus. <laughs> okay? And it can not only measure activities inside a neuron, but also uh, heart cells and muscle fibers. In 2017, Lieber and his team successfully created flexible 3D nanowires mesh that can inject into the brain or retina of an animal, attach itself to the neurons, and monitor electrical signals between the cells. You're starting to understand that patent about radial addressing of nanowires now, you see? So this is a nanowires mesh. And by the way, this is something that folds out. So it starts all folded up and you put it into a biological system and then it unfolds. It self-assembles, you could say, and it attaches itself to neurons and it begins to monitor electrical signals. And it can both monitor and it can, with the right external energy, it can also provide impulses to alter neurological function. Now, how would you, this isn't part of the story, this is just me, but how would you inject 3D nanowire mesh systems into people's bodies without them knowing? How would you do that? You would call it a COVID swab, and you would make sure that the swab was shoved far up beyond just the nostrils and into the the high nasal membrane that's close to the brain. And from there, the nanowires unfold, latch onto that membrane, penetrate it, and go into the neurons of the brain. So why do you think the COVID swabs have to be pushed so high and so far back close to your brain? Hmm. Yeah, it's starting to make sense now, isn't it? You could also potentially put these into so-called vaccine injections, or they could be put into medications, pills, such as, uh, you know, an anti-COVID pill that just happened to be about ready to be approved by the FDA. All right, so the story goes on. The, the Department of Defense is one of the largest supporters of nanotech research. And then the story talks about Another scientist who's key to this investigation is a Dutch scientist named Ron Fauchier. Fauchier is a controversial figure in the field of viral science. He created the world's deadliest virus strain. And his research sparked a global controversy to defund and shut down such experiments. Experts have raised concerns legally that these experiments could lead to a global pandemic, but could also be used for bioterrorism. Ron Fauchier is also a key to the COVID-19 investigation. He isolated the SARS coronavirus, smuggled it out of Saudi Arabia, which was then sent to the Canadian scientist Frank Plummer. Frank Plummer, one week after Great Game India published their report on Frank Plummer and Canada's handling of this virus, Frank Plummer was found dead. Dead. And as you may recall, by the way, from Canada, this virus made its way to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. These are not coincidences, folks. Now, 
we go on to the State of the Nation story, which adds that Charles Lieber from Harvard holds the U.S. patent for using 5G radiation to vibrate coronavirus particles from preset nanotubule containers. Now, I've looked at the scientific papers on this, and those papers don't specifically mention 5G, but they do provide for a mechanism that you could use 5G to accomplish this. It would take quite a lot of power, by the way. So this wouldn't be just a normal cell phone call level of power. It would have to be a 5G tower that's turned up to several orders of magnitude more power than it usually uses. Is that possible? Yeah, it's probably built right into the system. They're probably just waiting to flip the switch. But uh, from State of the Nation, it goes on, nanotechnology weaponized to deliver viruses. And it mentions the Harvard Pilgrims Society. Now, I know that a big red flag just went off in the minds of many of you listening who are extremely well-informed. Look into the Pilgrims Society at Harvard. Yeah, seriously. Look into the history of Harvard. Look into Skull and Bones. Look into secret societies that come out of Yale and Harvard and MIT and ties to Jeffrey Epstein and ties to, well, once you get into Epstein, then that's tied to child trafficking and pedophilia and blackmailing the world's globalist leaders and so on and so forth. But all of this is connected. Mad scientists, child raping pedophiles, academic cover stories, patents, People's Liberation Army, Fauci, the pandemic, trying to overthrow all civil liberties across the planet. This is all connected. This is all one story with just different little subplots, by the way. So State of the Nation goes on, says Harvard Pilgrim Society professor surrogate uh, exploited like Zuckerberg and the other Silicon Valley stooges to weaponize nanotechnology to deliver viruses and other pathogens via 5G. And in parentheses, it says, boil the water in the nanotube with 5G milliwave lengths, and it will release its toxic payload. Okay, so they're talking about a scientific study that was published. I think this paper was published in 2017. It was published in a journal called Scientific Reports. And here's the title, Molecular Origin of Drug Release by Water Boiling Inside Carbon Nanotubes from Reactive Molecular Dynamics Simulation and DFT Perspectives. Hmm, that's quite a title. What does it mean? Well, first we have to understand what is DFT. And I believe the the use of DFT in this paper is they're referring to density functional theory. So density functional theory, DFT, it is a, a modeling analysis method that's used in chemistry to try to map out the, the nuclear structure of, of matter, uh, molecules, and then how, how those molecules interact with each other. And it works at the nanoscale or even the picoscale of interaction between molecules. So where you have a lot of seemingly strange forces operating at that scale. So, you know, there, there are a lot of different imaging techniques that you can use to try to look at um, 
molecules, for example, NMR, nuclear magnetic resonance imaging, which you have to build a giant freaking Faraday cage the size of a room, and you have to have a million dollar piece of equipment, and you can't wear metal. You know, <laughs> it's like, wow, this thing's expensive. And it, it doesn't even give you a clear picture, by the way. But this is something like that, but it's more on the theory side. This is the mathematical theory side, okay? DFT. So what are they trying to, to model? They're trying to model what happens when you have a bunch of carbon nanotubes that exist at the nano scale, obviously, hence nanotubes. We'll just call them CNTs, carbon nanotubes. And just imagine little tiny tunnels, okay? Not even very long. Like, uh, I don't know, what would be a, a good example of this? Um, you know when you buy tennis balls and they come in a cylinder? Just imagine that's a nanotube. But it's really, really tiny. And inside that nanotube, you can put a payload such as tennis balls. Or in this case, viruses or chemicals or nanowire mesh systems that are self-assembling microelectronics, which are biocompatible. Now, once these carbon nanotubes with payloads are injected into the body, which can happen through a vaccine needle, by the way, so-called vaccine, it, maybe it can happen in a pill, maybe it can happen in a swab, maybe it can be aerosolized and people can breathe them in. I'm not sure about that, but I know they can go in through a needle. And they may be able to go in through the skin if, if you, you have like a, like a patch with a lot of needles in it and you just really jam them in there. You might think, well, how could that, something that large go through a needle? Well, hey, mosquitoes, mos you know, mosquitoes inject bacteria into your body and you don't even feel it because their needles are very small, but they still contain bacteria, living single-celled organisms. So yeah, you can put carbon nanotubes through a needle, no problem. The needles are huge compared to nanoscale devices. So what this paper is talking about then is a way to inject carbon nanotubes into your body that contain payloads, and then to activate those payloads to release those payloads in your body, in your blood, using an external electromagnetic signal or power source of some kind. Now, I have read this paper. The paper concludes that it's kind of hard to use carbon nanotubes to release drugs if the nanotubes are packed with water because it's hard to boil the water with enough precision, and they were trying to use lasers and things like that. But that's old technology, it turns out. What they have now is a way to use the conductivity of the skin combined with 5G electromagnetic radiation so that the skin combined with the nanowire mesh structure is able to focus the current onto the carbon nanotubes, in effect, focusing electromagnetic radiation to a very small point, creating the necessary heat or molecular excitation that's necessary to release the payload in the body. So yes, carbon nanotubes can be used as a payload delivery device and they can be activated with external 5G signals or other electromagnetic sources of energy. In other words, what's described in these patents and in these papers is a binary weapon system that's disguised as a vaccine.
Now, Alex Jones said something interesting the other day on his show. He said, if you go through the, the evolution of the history of warfare, and I'm paraphrasing this, but it was like, first, you know, sticks and stones. And, and then it went to uh, swords and spears. And, and then it was guns and bullets. And then it was missiles and bombs. And now what's the highest evolution of warfare? A hypodermic needle. The needle is the weapon. Well, the needle administers the weapon. So they don't need missiles and bombs and bullets and sticks and stones and swords to kill you. All they need is a needle and a narrative. COVID is the narrative. The weapon is in the needle. The weapon is the carbon nanotubes, and they carry a payload. A payload that, as far as we can tell, has not yet been activated. A payload that can be activated by 5G. A 5G network that was built worldwide, almost entirely using hardware from Huawei, a company run by the Chinese Communist Party with influence from the People's Liberation Army, the military of China. So yeah, if you're keeping track, let's get this straight. The SARS-CoV-2 virus was released by China, built by China with American DOD technology with Fauci and the NIH. It was released to create a worldwide panic narrative to push everybody into vaccines. Everybody rushes into the vaccines. The vaccines are, at least in this, in this game theory scenario here, the vaccines are loaded with carbon nanotubes that contain payloads. In addition, the swabs might contain self-assembling nanowire mesh constructs that latch onto human neurology, embed themselves, and begin to monitor or to manipulate neurology. This might explain some of the personality changes that we're seeing, but I'm not sure yet. We need more research into this. Then, in preparation for this, for the last 20 years, China rolls out very competitively priced 5G networking and control hardware that for some reason is incredibly affordable so that every country in the world uses it, every government uses it, every city uses it. That's Huawei. And that's installed almost everywhere now. Although, by the way, to his credit, Trump did try to ban Huawei hardware in the United States. I think Biden has overturned that ban, but I'm not sure. I would have to double check that. But nevertheless, there's a lot of Huawei hardware that's in use in the 5G systems. Now, remember, China has been caught before selling a desktop computing motherboards that had extra, an extra processor on them that monitored everything that computer was used for. And this went into motherboards that were sold by the millions and put into people's computers. China was able to monitor everything that was happening in people's personal computers at the BIOS level of the motherboards. In fact, that story is something like six or seven or eight years old. I don't even remember what year that was, but we covered it back then. China has used its technology uh, manufacturing and, and exporting infrastructure in order to install spy systems into the 5G networks and military applications and so on. So yes, China has the ability to throw a switch and turn off microprocessors that are used by the United States military and also that are used by you know, power grid 
infrastructure companies and operations and so on. But most importantly, China also has the technology to flip a switch and send out a 5G activation signal worldwide in Europe, in Canada, in the US, in Australia, everywhere that would instantaneously release the payloads that are in the carbon nanotubes hiding in people's bodies right now. And we don't know what those payloads are, but you can take a guess. It's probably not good. And it's probably not something that China is giving to their own people. It's probably a kill switch. And if that's true, and if that is activated one day, you might be walking around as an unvaccinated person and suddenly 50% of the people around you drop dead. Like that scene out of uh, Surrogate, another Bruce Willis movie. Remember at the end when, when the plug was pulled and all the surrogates just collapsed in the streets? That might become a reality. It's not science fiction anymore. It's actually all this technology exists in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office files. It's pretty incredible. In fact, let me just read a little bit from that study, that paper. Uh, it says, since the discovery of carbon nanotubes in 1991... They've come to the focus of attention. Their benefits can be currently found. Let's see, the idea of using a hollow cylindrical structure as a transporter or container has been proposed for many years. Special properties of these novel materials were found in the medical communities with the hope to develop a new drug delivery system for small treatment agents such as proteins, nucleic acids, and other biologically active molecules. Carbon nanotubes are used due to their unique properties in drug delivery. Sensors as drug delivery agents. Destruction of tumors with increasing temperature. Got that? So they can be used to destroy cells with increasing temperature. Think about 5G with that. Hmm? Um, cholesterol and blood sugar measurements. Identification of antigens and DNA bonding. Okay, that's from the paper, folks. That's not, you know, the Health Ranger conspiracy theory. That's actual published science. They're just talking about the history of carbon nanotubes. The potential application of CNTs is used for transport and delivery of drugs and antibodies. And due to their small size, stable structures, and surprising nature, it is due to their, wait a minute, this is, it's hard to read. It was proposed that thermal energy delivered to the CNT by a laser light can be used to accelerate the motion of the molecule inside the tube and hence its release from the nanotubes. There you go. That's what I was talking about. So that's right in the study. Again, thermal energy delivered to the carbon nanotube by a laser light. This could also be from 5G. Focus using the nanowire mesh structure. Inside the tube to release whatever's in the tube from the tube, it can be used to weaken and disrupt the carbon nanotube molecule interaction. The local temperature around the nanotubes is controlled by adjusting the laser radiation intensity that results in preventing the death of a target biological cell. You got that? So this is the technology that we're dealing with here. Now, some people hearing this might immediately say, 
this must be alien tech or something. Must be some exotic alien tech. And and maybe that's how it first fell into the hands of human beings, perhaps, kind of like the transistor in 1947. That's possible. But humans have been, you know, modifying and enhancing this technology, as we've seen from the patent record of Charles Lieber himself. So the patent record is, um, that's pretty mind-blowing. It shows he's been working on this for, for a couple of decades. All right, now, this is the end of part one. I'm going to have my editor package this and release this separately to get it out faster. And then we're going to continue in part two when you're going to find out who was the father of Charles Lieber and who he worked for in the fields of science and weapons development. <laughs> this rabbit hole gets even deeper, folks. And also we're going to talk about what happens if China activates the system and the carbon nanotubes release their payloads in all the vaccinated people simultaneously across the world, if indeed this is what's happening. And I guess there's no way we can prove this, but we are, we're following the trail of evidence here and where it's leading us is a pretty horrifying place. So Watch my channel on brighttown.com for part two of today's Situation Update podcast. Thank you for listening so far. There's a lot more yet to come. A global reset is coming, and that's why I've recorded a new nine-hour audiobook. It's called The Global Reset Survival Guide. You can download it for free by subscribing to the naturalnews.com email newsletter, which is also free. I'll describe how the monetary system fails. I also cover emergency medicine and first aid and what to buy to help you avoid infections. So download this guide. It's free. It's my gift to you simply because I want like-minded people to survive. All right, welcome to part two of the Situation Update for Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. This is Mike Adams here. We are deep in the rabbit hole. Very deep. If you haven't heard part one of this podcast, you need to hear it. Go back and listen to that first. It's on brighttown.com. It's on my channel. Because uh, just as an overview, in part one, we talked about Charles M. Lieber, the Harvard scientist, just been found guilty, was prosecuted by the DOJ for conspiring with communist China, working with uh, at least one researcher, woman who was a lieutenant in the People's Liberation Army. He lied to government authorities about his ties to China, and he provided key technology to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He was part of the team that built the weapon systems that are now being deployed around the world. But his expertise is in nanowires that interface with human biology, biological systems. He's an expert in, well, he's even got a patent called the Controlled Synthesis of Monolithically Integrated Graphene Structure, and another patent called Scaffolds Comprising Nanoelectric Components for Cells, Tissues, and Other Applications. He was paid over $1.5 million by the communist Chinese, plus $50,000 a month while he was working at Harvard. No doubt Harvard 
well, there's a lot more going on at Harvard, we'll just say. And uh, he was also then offered other benefits, including, I don't know, $180,000 of moving expenses and things like that. What he has created, his technology, combined with the virology at the Wuhan Institute there in China, they created carbon nanotubes and nanowire interface systems that can be introduced into human biology using something as simple as a COVID swab or a vaccine needle. These are self-assembling nanowire systems that interface with biology and that can penetrate cell walls. And they can respond to external signals such as 5G or lasers. And I read some of the passages from one of the studies that talked about lasers and talked about uh, deploying the payload from the carbon nanotubes inside the body and how the payload could be used to deliver uh, different kinds of uh, weapons that could kill cells in the body or could interface with cells or could release things like viruses or drugs inside the body. And so what we have here, uh, this is being called the virus transmission, here it is, uh, virus transmitters. That uh, That's Lieber's technology. And again, he was found guilty, which is why we're covering this now. He was found guilty, uh, prosecuted by the DOJ. Now, by the way, just on the record, I want to give credit to one of my sources who handed me a lot of this information. Uh, I know that this source doesn't want to be named, so I'm not going to name you. I know you're listening, but I want to thank you for, for digging a lot of this up. And uh, a lot of this that I do here, folks, it's not something that I find. It's stuff that people find and then send to me. And then I, I pour through it and I, I read it because I am a scientist, so I can go through the science studies. I understand, you know, all the basic, the fundamentals of physiology and anatomy and physics and chemistry and so on. So I can interpret the stuff and then I can translate it and give you the practical kind of you know, layperson explanation of what it all means. That's what we're doing now. And this is, this is a bombshell. If this theory is correct, if this, well, scenario, it's more than a theory. If this scenario is correct, that he handed over this, this carbon nanotube payload delivery technology to China, they built biological weapons. And they also, by the way, installed all of the Huawei 5G hardware control systems and networking systems into most of the 5G networks all around the world. Now China, under this scenario, China has the ability to flip a switch and broadcast a worldwide 5G signal, which will release the carbon nanotube payloads that are already embedded in people's bodies due to COVID vaccine injections and COVID swabs and perhaps other things that we don't know about yet. And whatever that payload is, it will have that instant effect across all those people who did the swabs and took the vaccines. What do you think this payload might be? Well, it's probably not something good. It's probably not a payload of uh, vitamin D. You know, China's probably not going to throw a switch. Let's give everybody the sunshine vitamin. No, it's going to be like a death switch. Or it's going to be a switch that drives everybody insane. Maybe like a, a lobotomy. <laughs> Who knows? A euthanasia switch. 
Everybody drops dead. I'm not sure what kind of payload it is, but it's a binary weapon system. It's 5G plus carbon nanotube payloads. That's the technology we're talking about. That's what's that's what has been deployed, I believe. Now, Charles M. Lieber is a genius. He's some kind of like genius mad scientist guy. Super smart guy. I mean, who who could figure this stuff out? Self-assembling nanowire mesh systems that interface with human neurology and biology, carbon nanotube payload delivery systems. He's a smart guy. Where did he come from? Well, if you go out there and you look at um, his father, his father was named Robert Lieber. And he received the 1962 David Sarnoff Outstanding Achievement Award in Engineering for his contributions to the field of high-precision space tracking and navigational systems. Now I'm reading from aimfortruth.org. This is American Intelligence Media, Aim for Truth. That's the digit for, the numeral for, aimfortruth.org. Just go go to aimfortruth.org, search for Robert Lieber, 1962. And you'll find a newspaper clipping there and a translation of it says that Robert Lieber, this is the father of Charles Lieber, Robert Lieber, Systems Engineering, Moorestown Missile and Surface Radar Division, Defense Electronic Products in Moorestown, New Jersey. And he received the 1962 David Sarnoff Award. And the newspaper clipping says that Mr. Lieber has contributed new and fundamental knowledge to high accuracy prediction of satellite and missile position using surface-based tracking data which opens new avenues to the solution of satellite tracking problems. He had made an important advancement in the integration of tracking communication and telemetry functions for support of space missions, and has also pointed the way toward vehicle attitude determination from Earth. Okay, so uh, what is vehicle attitude determination? That's not when the vehicle is like, oh, no, today I was moody and then I was happy. No. It's the angle of the vehicle relative to the the Earth beneath it. So if you were to draw a line perpendicular to the ground of the Earth straight up into the sky, and then we're talking about the attitude, the angle of the vehicle relative to that line. Why does that matter? Well, obviously, this is all about reentry of intercontinental ballistic missile systems. If you have the wrong angle, your missiles burn up in the atmosphere. And remember, this is 1962. So this is at the early edge of the space race during the Cold War to build ICBMs and make sure they don't burn up in the atmosphere. So this guy, Robert Lieber, was a rocket scientist. A rocket scientist. Hmm. Working with the Department of Defense. Now, it's, uh, it's very doubtful that Robert Lieber is still living, although it's possible. He was born in 1926. In fact, uh, his birth date here, for those of you who want to dig deeper, is May 6th, 1926. And his mother's name was Sophie, S-O-P-H-I-E. And it looks like his father's name was Leo. And his mother and father came to the United States as immigrants aboard the SMS Bismarck, a German 
ship that departed Hamburg, Germany, although his mother and father are said to be Romanian. Now, <laughs> okay, uh, I want to reiterate before I say the following that this is my analysis and opinion, and I'm not in any way attributing anything evil to uh, Robert Lieber, but I need you to be aware of Operation Paperclip. So Operation Paperclip, which has all been declassified, but you need to read the books by the late, great Jim Mars in order to understand what I'm about to say here. Now, Jim Mars has a book called, I think it's called The Fourth Reich. It is absolutely worth buying and reading and understanding that book because in it, he talks about how the Nazi regime continues to this day and how the, the Third Reich actually then infiltrated technology and medicine and science in America and what we're living under today is actually Nazi fascism. Now, under Operation Paperclip, which again is openly admitted, the U.S. Defense Department was able to take Nazi scientists at the end of World War II, after the, the so-called Third Reich had been defeated, they offered these scientists, especially scientists with special knowledge in rocketry and telemetry, i.e. attitude navigation systems and so on, they offered these scientists new identities in America, new passports, new papers, new names, all that. And then they brought them over to the United States and they gave them a backstory. And these backstories often included like, you know, oh, their parents were already here and things like that. So it's a whole new identity, whole new backstory. They would put articles in the newspapers to create the backstory and so on and so forth. Now, for the record, I don't know if Robert Lieber is a former German scientist who was recruited by the United States and brought to the U.S. after World War II. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems, uh, it seems possible. It seems possible. Now, again, not saying anything evil about Robert Lieber. If he was a scientist working with the Nazis, he might have hated the Nazis. He might have hated the, the evil regime that he was slaving under because, of course, the Nazis didn't treat their scientists very well. They're like, you know, build more V2 rockets or you will die, which, by, by the way, sounds like Joe Biden now. Like, take the vaccine or you will die. <laughs> yeah, Biden actually is using, you know, Nazi-level threats now against the American citizens, but that's another story. But perhaps, and again, this is just conjecture, perhaps Lieber was given an opportunity after World War II as a young scientist to, you know, in his, what well, he would have been in his 20s at that time, right? Or, or early 20s. Obviously a very bright man, you know, genius level person. And, and his genius would have been evident at a very young age, probably in his teens. He was perhaps offered the, uh, you know, a new identity, new passport under Operation Paperclip, which continued, by the way, through the late 1940s. And I think even in the early 1950s as well. And, and perhaps he was brought to the United States then to work on the super secret Department of Defense weapon systems. And that's how he got involved in radar and telemetry and rocket science, navigation systems, you know, missile and surface radar, all kinds of things. He was a brilliant engineer. So it, it could be 
that this man was in fact an American patriot and that he, he wanted to work for America, not the Nazis, and that he wanted to use his intellect to help America build up defensive weapon systems. All right. So just to be clear, I'm not calling him a Nazi. I'm saying maybe he, he wanted to escape the Nazis and come to America and, and work for science in America. Perhaps that's what, what happened. But there's no, there's no record that confirms that. It just fits the timing and you know a lot of what was going on at that time points in that direction. But this would explain a lot about him having a son, Robert Lieber, who, who was just you know prosecuted and found guilty on six counts. Robert Lieber raised in a, a science family by a brilliant father with an extremely high IQ. And that Robert Lieber was probably, this is just my guess, he was probably demonstrating very high levels of cognition and scientific capabilities at a very young age. I mean, this guy has developed exotic nanotube technology that, you know, you wouldn't be doubted if you thought it was alien. It's so advanced. And you might think, how did he come up with this stuff? You know, super genius guy. I mean, look at the patents we covered. And basically, this is Neuralink technology that Elon Musk advocates, except Charles Lieber was doing this like uh, over a decade ago. Okay, so that's, that's the level of genius that this guy is. So Charles Lieber is not, um, Charles Lieber didn't come, you know, he's not a Nazi, obviously. He's probably thought of himself as uh, uh, just a, a brilliant American his entire life. But for whatever reason, he made a mistake ethically, morally, and he took money from China and decided to share technology with China. And I can't read into what might have been going through his mind to make those decisions. And we can't know, I suppose, unless we interview him. I doubt he's willing to be interviewed on this topic, although that door is open. If he hears of this, we would love to hear his story, frankly. <laughs> love to ask him questions about this technology. But nevertheless, he did something that the DOJ said was criminal. And he, he worked with America's enemy, the CCP. And he's now been found guilty. So what this looks like to me is a story of, of a science family, a brilliant father and a genius son both of whom were well ahead of their time. Exotic technology, they're creating the future today. And the father received all these awards, and, and as far as I know, never had any legal trouble of any kind. He was just known as this brilliant engineer. And then Charles Lieber makes this horrific mistake, working with the enemy, gets prosecuted, and now is found guilty and is about to be sentenced to, to jail. Now, where does the story go from here? So Charles Lieber is 62 years old. The United States government would be insane to throw this guy behind bars and just have him serve out his sentence in an orange jumpsuit. That would be a waste of a brilliant mind. And no doubt Charles Lieber right now understands that he's made a horrible mistake. And no doubt he probably regrets it, although I don't know for sure, but I I would imagine that he regrets it. How much do you want to bet the U.S. government will come to Charles Lieber and say, hey, um, you want to reduce your prison sentence? Come work for us. 
and we're going to be the special DARPA nanotech weapons development system. You're going to work for us for five years, and then you won't have to spend those years in prison. Now you're, you're going to apply all your knowledge and technology to give us more advanced weapon systems instead of China. So I'm just throwing this out there, but I think that that's what's going to happen next. I think that Charles Lieber will be kept out of the press for the most part. And I think that he will be recruited by DARPA or the DOD or maybe the CIA, but probably the DOD. And he will go to work in a new lab, even in his elder years. I mean, 62 is not that old for a brilliant scientist, by the way. There's a lot of scientists that can keep on, you know, working away to age 75 or 80, by the way. The, as long as you keep using your brain for a lot of people, it keeps working. So I think they're going to plug Charles Lieber into a DOD program to try to uh, achieve some kind of weapon system equilibrium with China. Because now that all this technology has gone into the hands of China, the U.S. is behind and the U.S. needs to catch up. So Lieber, again, this is my guess. I don't have any proof of this, but my guess is Lieber is going to once again be working for America to serve out his prison sentence. Or who knows, maybe I'm reading this wrong and maybe Lieber is just hates America and says, no, I'd rather die and hangs himself like, like Epstein. I don't know. I hope that doesn't happen. I hate to see brilliant minds, you know, imprisoned or suffering. But I also think that science should be applied with morality. And I've long been against the use of science to develop weapons of mass destruction. You know, the nuclear bomb biological weapons, genetic engineering of the seeds, weaponization of food scarcity, and so on. This is the misuse of science. So we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. But folks, that's about as far as I've gone in this story as of today. So I'm going to ask you for some help. You know we have this platform, brighttown.com. If you want to help, I want you to dig into Charles Lieber, and look at research tying together Harvard, MIT, Jeffrey Epstein, carbon nanotubes, or CNTs. Mm, what else? Oh, nanowires research. Uh, biological weapons, vaccines, Wuhan Institute of Virology, the WIV, the CCP, the PLA, all of that. DOD, DARPA, EcoHealth Alliance, Fauci, Collins, all these keywords. I want you to dig deeper into this story, see what you can find, and post videos on brighttown.com. Now, it doesn't have to be you in the video if you want to protect your own identity. I don't blame you. You should protect your identity. And let me just tell you, as the founder of brighttown.com, if you're worried about being found out for any of this, when you sign up, you can always use you know an anonymous email. You can sign up on Proton Mail with a throwaway email or something, make sure you use a VPN when you're accessing the internet to upload any video to Brighton or any email with Proton or whatever. Use a VPN so that it can't be traced back to your geophysical address. And then if if we as Brighton, if we are subpoenaed by let's say the DOJ or the DOD or whoever because you uploaded some bombshell video that broke the internet. <laughs> it's like, 
I don't know, the, the, the Lieber bombshell, like the true story that nobody ever knew. And, and it's just, it just goes super viral. And then suddenly we get a subpoena that says, Hey, you got to tell us who uploaded that video. All we can give the DOJ is the IP address that we have from the upload origin. And that would be your, the, the VPN that you were using. So there are ways to protect yourself. I, I believe in protecting your anonymity. I believe in freedom of speech. I believe in, you know, real journalism, but also protected journalism. So these are some things that you can do. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to contribute to this research. Let's dig deeper into this story and find out what's going on. Oh, don't forget to search for Huawei. H-U-A-W-E-I. Remember, that's the 5G telecom company. Oh, and, and search for 5G as well. Use all those terms together. And of course, I'm going to write a story about this to cover all this. And when you start searching for this, you'll probably see my story, but you can ignore that because I've already told you everything I know here. So dig deeper, see what else you can find, and then contribute to this. We need to crowdsource this, this research, you know, to really find out the true story. Because here's, here's my concern. I've, I've already kind of hinted at it here. My concern is that people are being injected with a binary weapon payload delivery system and that it's already in place and that this is why the world leaders are so desperate. There's like 160 world leaders that were all trained by Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum, the WEF. These are the people who run Canada, you know, and they run U.S. states. They like Newsom is one of them in California. There's like the president of France is one of these people. And so it just 160 world leaders, all brainwashed, indoctrinated and trained by Klaus Schwab's organization. They've all been given the order to mass inject everybody at any cost, no matter what it takes, you know, deny them access to grocery stores and restaurants, you know, make them suffer if they won't take the shot. We have to mass inject everybody. And you're always asking why, why the mad rush to inject everybody, everybody on the planet? Why are they in such a hurry? Why the children? Children aren't at any risk of COVID. Why are they so desperate that they would cut people off from grocery stores? Did you know in Boston, they've just announced, you can't go to restaurants. You can't go to fitness centers, concerts, museums, bookstores, anything. If you're not vaccinated, you're shut out of society in Boston. I, if I have time, I'll play a video for you. That's, you know, yeah, that's called the uh, Be Together Initiative. I'm not even making that up. This lunatic, psychopath mayor of Boston, this woman, she announces this. They're going to ban all unvaccinated people from bars and nightclubs and sports arenas and movie theaters and everything. And they call it the, quote, Be Together initiative. <laughs> what is that slogan? Uh, be together by staying apart. That's, that's insane. Of course it is. Had to say that. This is happening in Boston. Why are they so desperate, folks? Because it's not about immunization. It's about installation of a payload. And the payload hasn't yet been activated. So when Biden promises, you know, the winter of death, which is what he promised, uh, when do you think that's going to happen? He says it's going to be the winter of death for the unvaccinated, uh, trying to get everybody vaccinated. Of course, the death is going to come for the vaccinated because those are the people who have the payload, but they'll be dead, so they won't be able to protest at that point, will they? 
What if, and I know this sounds like a science fiction movie, what if there's one day coming up, and I don't know the day, but, you know, pick a day. What, what would be a day that the globalists would want to do this on? They're always into numbers and, you know, symbols and stuff, and they always want satanic stuff. Is there anything coming up that's like a, a satanic day? I don't know. <laughs> or, hey, maybe they would just choose like January 6th, you know, to be the J6 um, anniversary or something. Or, I, I don't know, but maybe they'll pick some day or they'll do it on New Year's Eve or they'll do it on Christmas Day, you know, maybe, maybe as uh, to try to attack the the celebration of Christ or something. But whatever day they do this, according to the sci-fi scenario here, they throw the switch. They start broadcasting 5G, you know, payload release signals. And then in everybody's body that has the vaccine, this payload gets released. Trillions of little tiny microscopic payloads get released in their bodies and just go to work doing whatever they're supposed to do. I don't know, turning people into cyborgs for all we know, or, or, or dropping them dead or making them go crazy. If that happens, wouldn't that be the like the most advanced, craziest fifth generation warfare weapon system imaginable? I mean, forget about tanks and missiles and bullets and bombs. This is this is super advanced warfare. This is a binary weapon system disguised as medicine and a telecom infrastructure. And yet, it kind of makes sense when you, you start listening to a lot of the videos that are out there, people talking about what they see in the vaccines. You've seen some of these videos, right? Now, I know there are different opinions on this. Like Dr. Richard Fleming says what he's looked at in the vaccines, he hasn't seen any crazy stuff in there. Uh, Dr. Kerry Madey says, no, there's, there's actual, you know, organisms in there there's things that are moving now i've looked at several vaccines under an optical microscope a good one but even then my optical microscope only goes to 2000x and we can image red blood cells quite clearly that's always fun but you can't image nanotubes without frankly, you know, an electron microscope. And I don't have one of those. I'm going to have to add that to my list of stuff to get for Christmas. <laughs> so it's like, it's funny, just as a side note, it's funny because sometimes, occasionally, a family member or a friend will say, hey, what can I get you for Christmas? And I'm like, I pretty much have everything. There's not really anything you can get me that, you know, physically speaking, because I'm a prepper. I'm a serious prepper. I've got like three of everything. I just bought three sewing machines, as you know, just to give you an example. You could give me some thread. How about that? I'm short on thread. Give me some uh, polyester thread for the sewing machines. But the one thing I don't have is a scanning electron microscope. So maybe I'll have to add that to my uh, laboratory acquisition list. It's just that these instruments are not the simplest things to run. It's not just plug and play. You know, to have an electron microscope I'm pretty sure you have to draw a vacuum, a pretty strong vacuum. So you're going to have a, a rough pump, which is a vacuum pump, and then you're going to have a turbine for the, the final part of the vacuum, the final, well, <laughs> the rough pump only 
pulls it down to a certain level of a vacuum, you know, a certain number of pascals, and then you got to have a turbine that spins at 40,000 RPMs. And then, so then you got to have, you know, a, a three phase 220 volt power supply hookup, which requires an electrician and you have to have an air filter and then you have to have sample prep and, you know, your sample prep, if it goes wrong, you're imaging the dust instead of the thing you're looking for. It's the, these instruments are more complicated than you think. It's not Star Trek technology. You just pop it in a door. And you're like, show me what it is. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's like a whole thing. It, it can take months just to learn how to use an electron microscope well. It can take many, many months. So it's not a simple thing. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe I will buy one. I don't know. You think I should buy one? Should I buy one? They're not that expensive in terms of lab equipment. You can get them for less than 75000 which these days, that's, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, does money even mean anything anymore? I, I don't know, with all the money printing. Let me play for you a video now that's going to blow your mind because this shows you how desperate they are to get everybody vaccinated. This is a video from de Blasio in New York City. De Blasio has a whole new program that he's going to send door-to-door vaccination teams to your house in New York City when you ask for it, and they're going to come give you the death jab or, you know, install the payload, and then they're going to pay all of you in your house $100 right there on the spot, even the kids. So this is, I mean, this is how desperate they are. So watch this video. It's, it's only 30 seconds. It's de Blasio saying, hey, we're going to bribe the kids with 100 bucks to come give everybody a death shot. Check this out. A city resident who wants at-home vaccination, it can be scheduled. A vaccination team comes to you. By the way, they can provide vaccination for the whole family. It, many people have wanted, whether people need a first dose, a second dose, or a booster, or if different people in the family are at different points uh, in their vaccine trajectory. The, the teams that come to your home have the ability to provide whatever help you need. And... The $100 incentive is available for every family member. That's crucial. Okay. Wow. What, what an incredible program in New York City. Really? You can call a vaccination team to show up and inject you with a genocidal death shot, and they'll give you $100. $100 that's just printed out of thin air by the central banks, by the way. This is... I, this might be politically incorrect, but I, I think anybody who takes the hundred dollars probably should be injected. <laughs> it's kind of like, ah, you really failed the, you know, the Darwin test right there. The old, uh, survival of the fittest, uh, that ain't you. <laughs> you like you traded your life for a hundred bucks. Uh, wow. Just, just wow. And you know, from New York city's point of view, this is great. Cause you know, you know, the hospitals earn like $180,000 from one COVID patient that they murder with a ventilator. So they could pay you 100 bucks and give you COVID with a spike protein injection. You show up at the hospital with COVID symptoms because you've just been injected with COVID. And then what do they do? They slap you on a ventilator, murder you via hospital homicide, and the federal government sends a check ultimately, you know, through Medicare and federal incentives and so on 
to the hospital, $180,000. That's a cash infusion into the city of New York through businesses and payroll. And it only cost New York City a hundred bucks. That's for them. That's a bargain. Invest a hundred dollars in your death and get a payoff of $180,000. It's something in that range. Wow. Yeah. De Blasio can do the math on this one. You know what? Come to think of it. Let's, let's play another psychopath for you here. The Boston mayor, the psycho, what is her name? Oh man. Uh, is it, I don't know. Boston mayor. Give this a listen. Check this out. Today, we're announcing that Boston will be implementing a requirement for proof of COVID-19 vaccination for certain indoor spaces, which we're calling our Be Together initiative. Be Together will require proof of vaccination to enter indoor dining. Well, three, three categories, just so you can keep the count. First, indoor dining, including bars and restaurants. Secondly, indoor fitness venues, such as gyms. And third, indoor entertainment, recreational, and event venues, such as theater shows or sports games. Starting January 15th, customers or patrons ages 12 and up and employees at these locations will be required to show proof that they've released, received at least one dose of the vaccine. And this will phase into requiring two doses on February 15th. We're also setting dates for children to be vaccinated to enter these spaces beginning in March. So there you go from the mayor of Boston, a homicidal child murderer. You see how she said right now, I mean, coming up in January, children 12 and over have to be vaccinated. When there's, there's no risk of COVID to children 12 years old. Give me a break. This is not about public health. And then in March, it's going to be, I guess, five years and older. They're going after the kids. Yes, they are. So why, once again, why the kids have no risk of COVID? This is not about public health. What's it about? Installing a binary weapon system. It's about depopulation. And this psychopath Boston mayor that you just saw, she is, in my opinion, a criminal against humanity. She's another Joseph Mengele, just like Fauci. I mean, and... Think about the doublespeak and the insanity, the, the Orwellian insanity of all this. They call this the Be Together initiative when they force you to stay apart? <laughs> how, how, how is this the Be Together initiative? They should really call it the uh, Hurry Up and Die initiative. You know, Boston's got a parking problem. Hurry up and take the vaccine and die. The mayor wants you to do this. At least in New York City, they'll pay you 100 bucks to hurry up and die. But in Boston, just hurry up and die on your own dime. Okay, there was also breaking news yesterday from the Israeli Prime Minister Bennett. Yes, yes, um, the rollout of the fourth COVID vaccine jab for people age 60 plus and medical personnel will start, quote, as soon as possible. So now it's the fourth jab and it always starts with the elderly and then it goes to, you know, 18 plus and then it's uh, 12 years and older and then it's five years and older and then pretty soon it's going to be infants and right when you're born, oh, have an injection of a bioweapon. Welcome to the world run by psychopaths like the mayors of Boston and New York City and so on. What a world, folks. It really is a death cult. It's a giant death cult, and we're trying to survive it. 
and they're installing binary weapons in everybody, it seems like. And and by the way, even if that whole theory doesn't prove to be correct, vaccines killing people just from antibody-dependent enhancement, myocarditis, you know, heart attacks, strokes, all that. It's killing people anyway from all those things. You know, I I probably should at some point at least plug today's sponsor. Uh, you know, we we're talking about the Huawei 5G networks. You know, every you're... Everything that you say on your cell phone is is listened to. There's eavesdropping on all of it. This is one of the big advantages of a satellite phone is they're not tying it to your identity. Now, granted, probably every satellite phone conversation is recorded, but they don't know who's talking and they don't know the geolocation of where it came from. And they can't tie it to you know the rest of your life. And by the way, if you're on a sat phone, you're not going through the cell towers. You're, you're just pointing it at the sky and it's literally going through the satellites. So go to sat123.com. That's our sponsor on satellite phones for privacy, for emergency backup purposes, to receive text messages on your satellite phone. You can even send text messages to other satellite phone users, by the way. sat123.com. Check it out. There's a a hundred good reasons to have a satellite phone. And one of those reasons is that it's not run by Huawei 5G uh, microchips from communist China. I mean, that's just one reason. Now, by the way, people have asked me, but isn't there a lot of radiation from the sat phone? And the answer is uh, only from the tip of the antenna pointing up to the satellite. So you just, you hold the phone. It's actually okay to hold these phones next to your ear and talk on them, but the antenna is pointed up away from you. It's a kind of a, you have to fold it out. It's a pretty long antenna. That's directional. It's going to the satellites. Just don't like stick your head in between the antenna and the satellite and because it'll block the signal, you know, because of your thick skull for doing such a thing. <laughs> Just all the radiation will bounce off your thick skull and you'll realize don't stick your head in there. But no, it's, there's less radiation actually going into your head from a satellite phone than a cell phone because a cell phone is an omnidirectional, at least a 4G and 3G and so on. It's an omnidirectional. It's blasting out radiation in all directions. With the sat phone, it's just between the antenna and the satellite. So I'm not, I don't have no concerns about radiation on a satellite phone, especially since it's, it's for emergency use most of the time anyway. It's not something that people typically use every single day. Oh, hey, since I didn't mention any of this other stuff up front, I've got a video that should be posting today. It's a review of the Kali Key. This is the drop-in replacement for your AR-15 bolt carrier group that turns your AR-15 into a single action, you know, a single shot rifle. And it just takes a few seconds. I show you this on video. I actually did a full video review of this. KaliKey.com, that's K-A-L-I, KaliKey.com is the company that makes this. They're out of California, and if you use discount code RANGER, you'll get 15% off through the end of this year. It will end of December here. Coupon code RANGER at KaliKey.com, and look for my video that should be up today. shows you what this thing is and how great it is, how easy it is to use. also makes your rifle really, really quiet if you're running it suppressed which is the way I usually operate 
my rifles is with a suppressor. Okay. Man, we have so many bombshell stories today. There's no way I'm going to get to them. I'm almost out of time already. But I, I want to bring you this story. So Russia is shutting off gas supplies to Europe. I talked about this, I think, yesterday and the day before. And there were rumors that the, the natural gas had been really shut down, down to 5% by Russia. And uh, this has been confirmed by RT, which is you know Russia today. And they have said, quote, the stopping of Russian gas supplies to Germany via the Yamal Europe network is not political, they say, or related to the waiting for the certification of the controversial Nord Stream 2 pipeline, the Kremlin said on Tuesday. So understand that, that Germany and Europe are in an energy crisis right now today. Very cold weather is moving in. Their nuclear power plants, a couple of them in Europe, have gone offline. I don't know the reason why. Probably they ran out of electronics or something. They're offline. The solar farms are not producing as expected, nor are the wind farms. And now natural gas has been cut off from Russia in existing pipelines. Now, as you may know, there's this controversy over the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. There's a pipeline that goes at the bottom of the Baltic Sea from Russia directly to kind of northeastern Germany. And so it bypasses all the other countries. It bypasses Ukraine, you know, bypasses Belarus or whoever else is in between Germany and Russia, all bypassed right there. Instead, it goes through the Baltic Sea. This pipeline would provide Germany and hence much of Europe with a tremendous supply of Russian natural gas. But the... the they say the anti-fossil fuel globalist bureaucrats in Germany, who are some of the worst in the world, they have decided to put this thing on pause because they don't like fossil fuels. Well, guess what? You're going to freeze your little German tush off this Christmas and, and all through the winter because you, you have no natural gas. Yeah, good luck with that. So I, I think what Putin has done, this is my opinion, even though officially they deny this, as uh, RT just reported, you know, the Kremlin says, oh, it's got nothing to do with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. I think that Putin has said, basically, hey, let the, let the Germans freeze for a year and see how that works out. Because I think Putin remembers his history. And when the German 6th Army tried to attack uh, Stalingrad in the winter of what year was that? Uh, 1943 or four, I forgot which year, but the Germans froze to death so badly that the entire German sixth army ended up surrendering to the Russians who were down to basically women and children fighting with rakes and machetes. I mean, it, it, the Russians took tremendous losses, but the Germans froze their butts off and the entire sixth army ended up surrendering and it was the most embarrassing piece of history in the german advance into russian territory where germany was of course trying to obtain fossil fuels from russia in order to fuel the german nazi you know invasion machine why else would you march into the frozen winter tundra of stalingrad <laughs> you have to be insane to try that thing
And yeah, they got they got walloped bad. So I think Putin is reminding Germany of uh, how good it is to have heat, you know? It's like, don't mess with this again because Russia controls the energy that heats Europe. And uh, Putin's just probably saying that. Let, let them starve for a winter. Remind them. And then they'll pay whatever we charge when we open up the pipelines once again in the spring. And that's what I think is going on. And once again, Putin is a strategic genius. Putin can outthink the German chancellor. He can outthink, well, Biden, but I think one of my chickens can outthink Biden. So that's not saying much. But Putin is as smart as they come. And in terms of raw IQ, you know, Putin is way up there. Uh, Xi of China is very high raw IQ. Uh, Justin Trudeau's a moron. You knew that. Let's see. Jacinda Ardern is a C student, lunatic psychopath there in New Zealand. But you know what I'm saying? You don't, they don't come smarter than Putin in terms of just thinking ahead and, and having game theory and strategy. Putin's got this whole thing gamed out. And the Germans are going to freeze this winter because they're just, <laughs> they shut down their own fossil fuel infrastructure and said, let's go green. Yeah. Well, shiver your way to the, the eco utopia then. Yeah. Hope you can stay warm. Hope you got some thick wool blankets. You know, and when you're cold enough, the, the negotiation with Russia goes something like this. As you're shivering in Germany, your teeth are chattering. <laughs> Uh, could you turn on the gas pipelines? And Russ is like, sure we could. And Germany would say, well, how much are you going to charge us? And Russia answer will be, how much you got? <laughs> how badly do you want to not freeze? So that's how that game is played, by the way. But of course, they have to deny that officially. So. It's kind of like the question of how much will a starving man pay for a meal? And the answer is everything they have. When you're hungry enough, you will trade everything for one meal. Just depends on how hungry you are. I've had people over the years, you know, I'm, I'm into health food, obviously, the health ranger, nutrition, healthy eating. I like to make healthy food delicious, by the way. That's why I love my turmeric smoothies with you know, bananas and avocados and flax seeds and everything, coconut water. It's actually delicious. I, it's, for me, it's like dessert all day. I love it. It's amazing. But I've had people over the years, parents say, hey, you know, I tried your smoothies and, you know, couldn't get my kids to drink the smoothie. What's the problem? And my answer is always the same. Well, they're not hungry enough yet. <laughs> uh, your kids are fat. And they're living on Pop-Tarts and French fries. And uh, they, they've nullified their sense of taste because you've been sugar bombing them for the last five years. So what you need to do, get all the sugar and salty crap out of your kitchen and out of your pantry. Make smoothies and wait. When they are hungry enough, they will drink smoothies. And that usually will only take about a day. And that, that one day is called intermittent fasting. It's good for everybody. <laughs> People are like, oh, I can't make my kids do that. They, they demand Coca-Cola and Pop-Tarts. I'm like, okay, so just, you know, make sure you get ready to buy a lot of medications. 
for those kids. They're going to grow up and be, you know, in and out of the pharmacy. Make sure you get them vaccinated, you know, to add to it. I'm joking, of course. And when people tell me that they don't, they don't want to make their kids eat healthy food, I'm like, what do you think the role of a parent is supposed to be? You're supposed to set guidelines. That's your job. Oh, I can't set guidelines. I wouldn't be popular. Okay, you're not their friend. You are their leader. <laughs> until, until they're 18 and move out, you are their leader. You're supposed to give them boundaries. You're supposed to set an example. You're supposed to teach them the difference between junk food and real nutrition. You're not supposed to be their best buddy and super friendly pal. BFF, no. You're there to be their mom and dad, and they might hate you temporarily. They'll love you later. But then again, I'm not a parent, so what do I know? <laughs> I, I would be a very harsh parent, probably, because, well, I actually, you know, I, I, since I wouldn't let my kids go to public school, they wouldn't be exposed to all that garbage. We'd be homeschooled, you know, lots of nutrition, growing food. We'd make it fun. Plus, they get to play with the donkeys and the goats. So, yeah, it'd be quite an adventure. All right. So, folks, that's um, that's my podcast for today, the two-part podcast. Quite an amazing story there about Charles Lieber. Definitely dig into that some more. I'll see what other updates I can bring you on this issue in the days ahead. And let's see, what is tomorrow? It's going to be Thursday, I believe. Yeah. So I do plan a podcast for uh, Christmas Eve, you know, uh, Friday, Friday morning. It might be a shortened one, but I, I am going to have a Christmas message for you on Friday morning. So be sure to tune in each day this week, and I will be posting some stories and perhaps some special reports over the weekend as well. So check in on my channel on brighttown.com. And uh, thank you for listening today. Thank you for all your support. Don't forget to shop with us at healthrangerstore.com. We do have some items back in stock. We are manufacturing every day. So there's a lot coming back in. I know the whey protein's almost back in stock because I'm almost out of it. Remember, I told you about that. It's like, move that to the front of the line. I'm out. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like the Health Ranger priority at the Health Ranger store. It's like, whatever I'm out of gets made first. That's at least that's one bonus of the trouble of running the whole thing. But anyway, more things are coming back into stock. I appreciate all your support. I pray for you and thank you for your prayers for me as well. God bless each and every one of you. Merry Christmas. I will have a Christmas message for you again on Friday morning. And don't forget to check out the other videos I've got on brighton.com and watch other people's videos. Post your own videos. We'd love to see other people's videos. We've got almost 200,000 users who are posting videos from time to time on uh, brighton.com and it's growing all the time. So thank you for all your support. Have a great day. Take care. A global reset is coming. And that's why I've recorded a new nine hour audio book. It's called The Global Reset Survival Guide. You can download it for free by subscribing to the naturalnews.com email newsletter, which is also free. I'll describe how the monetary system fails. I also cover emergency medicine and first aid and what to buy to help you avoid infections. So download this guide. It's free. It's my gift to you simply because I want like-minded people to survive.